Hello everyone, we're Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance, we got action, romance. we got comedy, we got everything you need, man. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro I, I don't know about this romance, what part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches, and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know! <laughs> Alright, so come on down to su wait, why did I say come on down? To Superhero Stuff You Should Know. We're making an ad. Napping ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. Welcome to another episode of Before My Time. I am your host, Kelsey Laurie, and today our friend, host, and producer, Matt Kelly, is going to talk about The Little Mermaid. Dive right in. <laughs> Wait, that's dumb. I just said dive right in, not let's dive in. I was just like, you dive in, I'll be on the side of the pool. Like, <laughs> Okay, I'm keeping that whole it's thing in there. <laughs> <laughs> To entertain you, we'll sing your songs for good times, the best times. You can't go wrong. We'll two step, a new step, it won't be long. When the Dixieland is up playing, soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. You know, Gelsey, I don't know about you, but The Little Mermaid is my favorite Disney animated film. Is it? Yeah, it's my number one. And we'll we'll probably talk mm -hmm. about that on the later half of this episode. But the long-awaited live-action movie is coming out, which, with the exceptions of how Flounder and Sebastian look, I'm pretty excited oh for it. Oh my god, I can't. <laughs> when I, My friend sent me the Flounder photo, and she's like, what the actual fuck? And I was like, actually, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what? I mean, I get it. They have to make him look like a real fish. But, like, Sebastian looks like a, I did a shitty clay. Like, I don't know. I'm. It's rough. But it's yeah. rough. It's... Aside from them, it does look really good. I'm excited to see it. But. I'm. I, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, but it made me realize I've never really known what the difference is between the novel to the Disney adaptation, because God knows if you've ever read a single fairy tale that a Disney cartoon is based on, boy, are they different 
almost every just single time. So like they're just never happy endings. And Disney was like, nah, we're gonna make this happy, which I appreciate. Let's give us some false hope so we grow up to be adults and then we're single in our 30s and we're like, why can't I find love? Because our expectation is just impossible and we're waiting for our prince, and I'm so sad and lonely. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, anyways. <laughs> anyway, so let's talk about The Little Mermaid. Uh, the Little Mermaid okay. is a fairy tale from the Danish author Hans Christian Andersen, and it was published in 1837. So the basic setup of Little Mermaid, totally the same. Uh, we have a mermaid. She's little. Her dad's a widowed king. She has sisters. Uh, Stop! She, she goes to the surface. She sees a birthday party for the prince, and she immediately falls in love. The prince's ship crashes she saves prince takes him to the shore uh and then leaves and different people come and heal him up uh she makes a deal with a sea witch to gain her legs but will lose her voice uh and this is where things change because the cost of the deal is so much worse in the novel i'm not sure if you've ever read the original little mermaid i haven't read it but i do kind of know some of these key points so the deal is that not only will she lose her voice, but consuming the potion that the sea witch gives her will make her feel as if a sword is being passed through her entire body. When she finally recovers, she will have two human legs and will be able to dance like no other human has ever danced before. However, she will constantly feel as if she's walking on sharp knives every minute of the day. Moreover, she will only obtain a soul if she wins the love of the prince and marries him. For then part of his soul will flow into her. Otherwise, at the dawn of the first day after he marries someone else, the little mermaid will die of a broken heart and dissolve into sea foam about on top of the waves. I didn't know about all the broken shards like <laughs> walking on broken yeah. glass. Like, way, God, way worse, way worse, right? Yeah, fuck love. Like, that sounds painful. So what happens is she gets her legs she can't talk she wows the prince with his dancing with her dancing skills or whatever but he never once falls in love with her he sees her as one of his closest companions and someone he can confide in and he vents to her uh, when his parents try to arrange a marriage for him that he could only marry the woman who saved him when his ship sank <sighs> She's like, that's me, but I can't tell you. And I can't tell you uh, what he oh discovers. She's friend zoned. Yeah, friend zoned so hard. Instead, it's discovered that the people who came to the beach to take care of him when she brought him to the beach, uh, that one of them was a beautiful woman who he falls for because, she, in his mind, that is the woman who saved him. So Prince gets married to someone else, and this causes Little Mermaid's heart to start to break. Here's where the story gets fucking insane. And I'm just going to read this very long paragraph from the Wikipedia page. Okay. She thinks of all the things that she has sacrificed and all the pain that she has endured for this prince. She despairs, thinking that death will await her. But just before the dawn, her sisters rise out of the water and bring her a dagger that the sea witch has given them in exchange for their long and beautiful hair. If the mermaid kills the prince and lets his blood drip upon her feet, she will become a mermaid once more, and all of her suffering will end, and she will live out her full life in the ocean with her family. However, the mermaid cannot bring herself to stab the sleeping prince lying with his new wife, and she throws the dagger and herself off of the ship into the water just as dawn breaks. Her body dissolves into foam, 
but instead of ceasing to exist, she feels the warm sun and discovers that she's been turned into an ethereal earthbound spirit, a daughter of the air. As the little mermaid ascends into the atmosphere, she is greeted by other daughters of the air who tell her that she has become like them because she is strove with all of her heart to obtain an immortal soul. And because of her selflessness, she has been given the chance to earn her own soul by doing good deeds for mankind over the next 300 years, which one day will grant her access to heaven. Um, fucking wild. <laughs> Why? Two questions. Why did Disney make any changes? They yeah. should have kept the original story. And question number two, what the fuck were they smoking in 1830-whatever? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, I mean, so I knew about the sea foam. I knew she died. I knew that. But that was actually it. And, okay. And the sisters, like, they sacrificed their hair for nothing. I'd be pissed if I was them. I'd be like, I chopped I'm my bald. awesome mermaid golden locks <laughs> off for you, and you didn't even fucking kill him? Fuck you. <laughs> so Ugh. the ending has clearly been a source of criticism. Um, one of the most famous people who spoke out against it uh, was P.L. Trevers, who wrote uh, uh, Mary Poppins, um, oh. the author of Mary Poppins. She said, the final message of this book is more frightening than anything ever presented in the tale. The story descends into descends into some type of Victorian moral tale written for children to scare them into being in good behavior. Hans Christian Andersen, this is childhood blackmail. <laughs> I was going to ask, I was like, what is, so what's the moral of the story here? Like settle down your teenage hormones. You think you're in love, but you're really not. And you're yeah. going to die if you go for it. Like wait till you're fully grown. I don't know. Like crazy. Clearly Ariel is a teen. What? She's 16, right? She's 16. Uh, in, in the movie. Here's the other thing. Never, she has never given a name. She is just the Little Mermaid throughout the telling of the story. Ariel was the first was the first time the character had a name, and that was in the 1989 Disney adaptation. Before that, it was always just referred to as the Mermaid. Some people actually think that some people liked the ending. They felt like the ending was leading towards your typical tragic ending, uh, but ends with a hopeful success uh, that seems very intentional towards Han Christian Andersen's skepticism towards physical and religious symbolism, while others think that the story is just a natural part of like a religious allegory or or something along those lines. Um, I just think it's a bad ending. <laughs> it's a terrible... She should have just died and been like, and that's tragedy, instead of... Then they're like, then she becomes a ethereal like that i was like okay if you do good for man as how as a spirit as like, the spirit of the air because she was selfless how was she selfless by not killing the prince yeah but she wasn't selfless when she didn't kill the prince in lieu of her sister's hair well and this I'm is really the caught thing. up on that sacrifice that the sisters made and she just well this is something that i i stumbled onto so while i was doing the research i was reading about some of the controversy based around the the disney adaptation and really the the controversy could dwindle all the way down to the original story, which is like Little Mermaid, as much as I like this movie, not a great message to kids, which is like when you're 16 and fall in love, abandon your friends, abandon your family, focus exclusively on your looks. Like, like it's like it is kind of just like a fuck everybody who's backed you. Just give your entire everything to this stranger who you've never spoken to. And also, you don't even need to talk. Who cares about your personality? Just be pretty and he'll fall in love with you. I know. That's what it really is. I used to think that too, watching The Little Mermaid, when I got a little older, obviously as a kid, yeah. 
you don't really understand the whole like, daddy, I love him. Like, yeah. and like leaving, but it is, she's a teenager and just like full on makes his abandonment for someone she doesn't know. <laughs> but you know what, Matt, it happens every day. It does. It does. So did you know that the Disney adaptation that we know and love is the third adaptation of The Little Mermaid? What? No, yes. I didn't know that. Uh, and I'm sure that there are others, but these were the three main ones that were brought up. Uh, first of all, uh, Shirley Temple had an anthology children's series in the 50s and early 60s called the Shirley Temple School Storybook, where she would recreate famous fairy tales. Um, so in this one, Temple played the mermaid. Uh, now, unlike the original story, this is very interesting to me because they don't tell me what she did give up. It just said, unlike the original story, the mermaid does not give up her voice to become human. But it doesn't say what she does, in I'm fact, annoying. give up, which seems like a pretty major plot point. But it's like, I guess you're like, we got Shirley Temple. She ain't not talking. Um, but she still has she still fails to win the princess's heart or the prince's heart at the end of this story. Uh, when he falls in love with the princess that found him. In the end, when she cannot bring herself to kill the prince with the dagger, she prepares her to throw herself into the ocean. Then Neptune himself intervenes and says that for her selfless act, she has earned the right to become a mermaid again and rejoin her family, giving the story a happy ending. I love that the Shirley Temple's storybook ending still involves her having to murder the prince. <laughs> <laughs> she's like older have you seen these photos no i mean 61 I'm, does seem I'm, older for her yeah she was yeah, big in the 30s I mean, right yeah like it's because i was like they can't put a child and then i was like oh my god 61 i was like oh my god she's like 20 something or like how old was she well because she was she may have been in her 30s or 40s because i thought that she was a hit in the 30s she was a hit in the 30s, but she was like five. She was a baby, baby. But girl. this is 61. This is 61. Okay, wait. Simple math. Um, cast. When was she born? That's that's what I'm looking up. 1928. Okay. So 61. So she was like 33 years old. Oh my God. She's like my age. What? <laughs> you could be the little mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I I grew up on Shirley Temple, but like the 30s Shirley yeah. Temple, which was like one of the reasons I wanted to be a little child star because I saw Shirley Temple tap dancing and I was like, my mom would always like curl my hair and I'd be like curly top. Anyways. Um, yeah. Wild, right? Like wild. It's then so the, interesting to see her as an adult even. Then there was a second okay. adaptation in 1976 that was a Russian adaptation um, in this one, she trades her hair for the legs. Um, yes, I've heard that. What is up with this like hair shit? Like, I don't know. And then this is the, this <laughs> the hair is the, was very valuable. Uh, so in the in the Hans Christian Andersen book, the stuff that I read, it didn't really say how she connected with the sea witch. My assumption is that just everyone knew about the sea witch. Um, so she went to her. But in the Russian film, she meets a traveling handyman. Uh, who introduces her to the witch. And then at the end of the story, when the prince marries the local princess and the mermaid mermaid is destined to die that day, it's the traveling handyman who challenges the prince to a fight and is killed. And it's his sacrifice that spares the mermaid from death and allows her soul to become eternal. Is is this handyman a human then? Like does she meet him so. like while he's boating across the ocean and she's all bloop, hey, what's up? And he's yeah. like, oh shit, a mermaid. Hey, what's up? Let's yeah, check talk. it out. Like, yeah. <laughs> What? Or was he like scuba diving? Maybe he was like. I'm assuming even... yes, that it's a human, and my my assumption is 
that in the Disney film, maybe he's essentially what like Scuttle became a little bit because. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yes, that's my so guess smart. there. Um, I forgot about Scuttle. Yeah. So the final thing I want to talk about is obviously the Disney Little Mermaid, because yeah. if you're a diehard Disney fan, you know this. If you're a lukewarm Disney fan, you might not know. But the Little Mermaid was actually one of Walt Disney's earliest feature film concepts. He had planned to do a package film that was going to feature vignettes of all of the Hans Christian Andersen stories. Um, but the development in the thirties really started to delay for a different, a various different circumstances. And it wasn't until 1985 when Ron Clemens became interested in a film adaptation of the little mermaid when he was directing the great mouse detective, he believed that the story provided the ideal basis for a feature film. And he was really excited about creating a film that would take place underwater. While they were in production in the 1980s, the staff by chance stumbled upon the original visual and story development work that was done in the 30s for The Little Mermaid. And they were shocked to find out that a lot of the changes that they had made for the 1980s film had already been made by the staff in the 1930s as well. Oh, wow. So it was like the same changes and they were like, yeah. we must all work for Disney. Yeah, they're like, oh, we're in the we, same we're we in the think same, the same. space. Um I mean, yeah, obviously there was going to have to be some massive changes. Yeah, for sure. And we will talk about the Little Mermaid cartoon after this quick commercial break. Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. All right. So come on down to... Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. We're making an ad. Napping yeah. ads. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm -hmm. He listens to the podcast every week. Yep. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The <laughs> Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the That's ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Like I said in the beginning of the episode, Little Mermaid has always been one of my favorite Disney anything. I would always rank it as my number one Disney cartoon. Not just because I think it's beautifully done, but I have made the statement before that I think of all of the Disney films throughout the entire history of Disney that the Little Mermaid has both the best I want song in any Disney movie with part of your world and the best villain song 
with poor unfortunate oh. souls. Ursula, Ursula's <laughs> kind of, oh, I don't have, I'm drinking out of my Tinkerbell coffee cup right now, but I've, <laughs> yesterday was my Ursula coffee cup. She's my favorite villain. Oh, she's great. She's. Yeah, we I, actually, for the 100th year anniversary at Disneyland, we got new name tags and we got to pick our favorite Disney character from like a drop down list. And so it says, normally it says your name in your hometown and mine says Ursula because I was like, I'm going to pick Ursula. Nice. I uh, so I do love her. If I'm not one for karaoke, but if I'm with the right crowd and I see that poor unfortunate souls is an option for karaoke, I'll do it. Is that one of your? Oh, my I God. Would, I would love to see that. I mean, I can give you a little bit of a, do you want to hear a little presentation of me Absolutely. singing? Absolutely. I admit that in the past I've been a nasty. They weren't kidding when they called me well a witch. Well, I find that nowadays I've mended all my ways. Repented, seen the light and made a switch. True, yes. Oh, this is great. <laughs> I love how he said, I was like, I'd love to see this. Would you like to? I admit that. Like not even a beat. It's funny. I think I like Ursula. That is a song that I've thought about singing a lot, be it for just my shower time. Um because she has a very deep voice and yeah. I have a very deep voice. I'm like, I relate to you. She has. But the other um, thing I like about that is to throw it back to an episode we did almost a year ago. The music to Poor Unfortunate Souls has a very cabaret vibe to it. Like, cabaret was almost a year ago. Yeah, we recorded that in the Shut summer the of last Holy year. Shit. Holy shit. But you know what I mean? Like the um, way that it's like that. Boom, dun, 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 boom. It does. It does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, unfortunate soul. <laughs> That's the mashup you need to do is you need to find the music for Cabaret, but sing for poor And sing for unfortunate souls. <laughs> souls. Or Vilcom. I get a, a Vilcom in is what oh, you Oh, that's Vilcom. Yeah. <laughs> um, fantastic. I love it. I always joke that, you know how they're doing all like the prequel villain movies now like yeah. Cruella and Maleficent and this that I'm like I want them to do one on younger Ursula and yes. I think that'd be perfect for her I think I would be a great young Ursula so I want to tell you the other music thing that I figured out because I'm a music nerd mm -hmm. and I listen to Disney music and Broadway music constantly right mm -hmm. so the people who wrote the music for Little Mermaid got the gig because the people at Disney were a huge fan of their previous Broadway hit, which was Little Shop of Horrors, right? Duh. Oh, I didn't realize that that was before, because I know yeah. that he wrote Little Shop of Horrors, but um, is that how? It's Alan Menken, right? Yeah, that's how he got and his foot how, in the door. That's how he got into Disney was because of Little Shop of Horrors? Yep. So here's here's the thing that when oh, I folks. realized this, it blew my mind, and I will... The listeners are getting a lot of singing, Matt, today, but... Part of your world has the exact same ending as somewhere that's green. Sudden. Oh, yeah. Because part of your world ends, she's like, um, well, I, I'll, somewhere that's green is in my head right now. She goes, far from Skid Row, I dream will go somewhere that's green. <laughs> Dude, mind blown. And that is absolutely how part of your world. Is. Yes. It's a thousand percent. Oh my God. I want to hear Audrey sing Part of Your World. Oh, I am sure Ellen Green's pipes would I crush go that. Where the people go. Oh my God. You're nailing it. Like, I know. I'm really good at We did, we used to have like these choir barbecue end of the year and like you could do little performances. And we, there was a group of us that did Skid Row. 
and I did her part. Well, the thing that always blows me away, cause we're on a little bit of an Ellen Green tangent, but I'll follow it. The thing that Fuck always it. blows me away is that she does have that meek, mousy voice, but then when you get to like suddenly see more, oh my god, like, she's so I love it, like, she's perfect for that part. I always love, yes, yes, doctor. Um, she's, you, this is like Loki, the you best never impression knew that I, you've ever done. You, you didn't know, I did. yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at her in Little Java Horrors. I don't know why, it's just, um. That's why, yeah, when we did Skid Row, that was, I, I was like, I have to do her. And I didn't, I, mean, I did not have the best voice and I do not have anywhere near like the capabilities of singing yeah. her parts. No business. But I was like, I can sound like her. Yeah, she's incredible. And it, I don't want to go off on Little Shop of Horrors. I just, and I love the movie so much. Yeah. Oh, it's a masterpiece. Um, but that, that, I mean, we've that talked about Rick Moranis. Yeah. Was, but wow, Alan Menken, I didn't realize that that was his foot in the door. Because obviously when I think about him, I think about Disney movies. Yeah. And yeah, all I mean, the amazing work he's done. Didn't he? What other musical so did him, he do that it was wasn't him Disney and, after? It was him and Howard Ashman were the the duo from Little Shop of Horrors. They did all of Little Mermaid and they were working on Aladdin. And that's when mm -hmm. Howard Ashman, uh, unfortunately, died of AIDS before he ever saw the ending mm -hmm. of. Uh, or no, he was working on Aladdin. This is what it was. He. Howard Ashman wanted to make Aladdin. Disney wanted to make Beauty and the Beast. And the agreement was that if he wrote the songs for Beauty and the Beast, they would do Aladdin. And he passed away just as they had finished Beauty and the Beast and were starting to do Aladdin. So you'll notice that like Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid are Alan Menken and Howard Ashman scores. Aladdin is Alan Menken with Howard Ash, uh, Howard Ashman and Tim Rice because he passed away before he could finish the songs and Tim Rice came in to finish them. And then Menken and Tim Rice worked together on a ton of Disney movies from that point on. I'm sure Menken mm -hmm. has done the Broadway adaptations of the Disney stuff, but I think he's kind of been just like Disney's go to dude for <laughs> for I, I mean, literally it, everything like. The Manuel's like coming for his uh coming Pocahontas, for his seat Hunchback, now. <laughs> Hercules, which is my favorite, Tangled, Enchanted. Like there's nothing it's crazy. Yeah. Um, he um and and you mentioned it already and I think it's finally coming, but we have done back in the day uh, my friends Brooke and Andrew, who you know from the Roaring Twenties podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh we used to do a Disney podcast and we had our friend Gleefully Tim on and our thing was Make a Disney Broadway musical that hasn't already been done. And we all agree that Hercules is the one that is just like demanding to happen. Like, oh, yeah. That one. I think <laughs> like, they are. If I'm not. They're like, working. They are finally they? working on it now. This they're was like finally, 10 years yeah, ago. We did That's it. been like, like I've been saying that for years as well, because I just think the mute like, oh, the, the big routines you could get. I love Hercules oh, well. so much. It also I always talk about Hercules and Mulan are probably my top favorites but the time they came out in the 90s and the age i was it was, was perfect for you yeah the I, impression impressionable age where i was like cool i am now mulan and meg wrapped up in one yeah. and well, meg wrong? and i've said that <laughs> meg is my like meg is like my number one cartoon crush i would say like i'm always search i'm searching for a real life meg in my life but like also low-key 
I Won't Say I'm In Love is the best Disney co- song that no one talks about. Like that song I is so love, good. I <laughs> love that song. I sang it for an audition one time because I was like, I'm not saying I was like really young. But um, no, yeah, Hercules is a golden gem and that song is such a good song. So, Gelsey, if people are like, eh, you could have done more. You could have talked about The Little Mermaid more. I'm sick of you talking about 90s Disney films. Those aren't before your time. Your podcast sucks. Like, don't contact us. But if you have good things that you want to say about us, how can they go about letting us know? No, I can take it. Tell tell us how shitty we are on Instagram. You can find us at beforemytime underscore podcast or search before my time on Facebook. We will pop up. Message us, DM us right on our wall comment on our latest post let us know how fucking shitty we are because we'd just love to hear that you know and on that note if you disagree with that statement we would love if you gave us a review real quick uh five stars would be cool but it gets us into more ears of listeners like yourself that was a sentence that makes sense go with it we're sticking to it thanks so much for tuning in you guys and see you next week bye Hello everyone, we're Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance, we got action, we got comedy, we got everything you need, man. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know for all your superhero needs. Uh, I I don't know about this romance, what part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches, and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. Alright, so come on down to, wait, why did I say come on down? To Superhero Stuff You Should Know. We're making an ad. Napping ads. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Has he been canceled? Wait, is Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. (laughs) So, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.